Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today for the Monday broadcast. This is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church. Well, I want to begin with a really bad dad joke, okay? And uh, I know you got a lot in your mind, a lot of things happening in our world today. And so maybe these bad dad jokes will help you to just enjoy life a little more, okay? Uh, so here it is. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Why, a gummy bear, of course. Well, that's bad, but this one's even worse. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. Uh, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Just in case they get a hole in one. Well, I want you to know, those bad jokes are not designed to be good jokes. They're bad jokes. Just to kind of give you an opportunity to go, ah, man, life is not as bad as I think it is. I want you to know, I want to uh, share some things that I think will be very helpful for you today. I'm calling today's message Proverbs of Peace. You know, I was in Outer Banks not too long ago, and I love going to the Outer Banks. And uh, my son is in a day program, and he's got to be a few, home for a few days. And so I thought, wow, you know, it's September. Uh, it's a great time to go to the Outer Banks, and, and there'll be less traffic and less people than there usually is. And so we go to the beach, and it's one of those opportunities uh, where the weather's nice and warm, the water is great. And as we go on this particular afternoon, the tide is starting to come in. And if you've been in the ocean any uh, length of time, you know that uh, you're at a certain spot standing, and you're standing there right where the waves are breaking. And it's a hard place to be, so you either got to go closer to the shore, or you got to go out a little bit deeper into the water. And so I thought, well, let me take my son, who has autism, uh, a little deeper into the water so these waves don't keep crashing right on top of us. And so I had my back to the waves and I was kind of inching my way out a little bit deeper and I was encouraging Seth to come along with me uh, as we went out and uh, and the tide is still coming in and, and, uh, and it's kind of beating against us. And so I'm coaching him out to go a little bit deeper and my back is to the waves and I'm keeping an eye on Seth. Then a series of waves come. And they break all at the same time, and they knock me right off to my feet. And I'm rolling along the sandy bottom. <laughs> my shorts are getting filled with sand. My glasses are washed out somewhere in the Atlantic. And, uh, you know, I'm spinning around here in these waves. And the thing I'm thinking about, well, if this wave took me down, it probably also took him down. And so I'm trying to get back to my senses as quick as I can so I can begin uh, looking for Seth. Now, Seth's a big guy, right? He's six foot one, 300 pounds. And, uh, and so I said, I got I to gotta get him. Uh, and he's a pretty strong swimmer, but being knocked off his feet, I'm sure he's not going to be a happy camper. And so I get back up on my feet and I'm looking around and there I see standing, staring at me, uh, looking at me like, what's up with the old man? rolling around in the waves, and Seth was just standing there. The wave that had knocked me over didn't even impact him. Uh, well, I think a couple of things happened. Number one, uh, he was a little bit further from the crash of the wave than I was. And the second thing is, and I kind of took the brunt of that wave for him. Uh, so he has no idea what he missed. As I think about the book of Proverbs, it's called, uh, what I'm going to call the book of Proverbs for the next two days is the book of peace. That word peace is shalom. Now, shalom is not the absence of waves. It is staying sure-footed in the midst of waves. And I love that word shalom. Uh, there's something very special, 
something very moving about that greeting, uh, that word shalom. It can warm the heart. It can comfort the spirit. What is it about that word that can evoke such a unique response? Well, in a simple way, the Hebrew word for shalom means peace. But in a deeper way, shalom is a beautiful word with a powerful and a complex meaning. It's a very old word. It's a word that can be heard throughout the land of Israel even today. But what does it really mean? Shalom represents the idea in the Bible of salvation. Generally, the Hebrew word refers to someone who is safe, somebody who is whole, somebody who is unharmed. It means peace, and it means the absence of a conflict or a war. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said this, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you the peace as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. In modern Israel, when somebody was greeting you or saying goodbye, either hello or goodbye, they would typically say the word shalom. In saying this, they're actually saying more than just hello or goodbye. It's more than a simply saying peace be with you. They're actually saying something more along the lines of may you be filled with the complete and the perfect peace and the full well-being. May you be healthy. May you be filled with prosperity. May you have a mind at peace. And may the Spirit be upon you. Now, beyond being just a simple wish of peace and happiness, the word suggests a state of fullness, a state of perfection overflowing inside me with an outer joy that is expressed, a sense of serenity. In the Old Testament, King Solomon, his name Solomon means peace. The city of Jerusalem is called the city of peace or the foundation of peace. As a result of the rule of King Solomon living in peace, he actually led his nation for 40 years in peace. As a result of that, we see that God protected, God blessed King Solomon. The nation grew under his leadership. In 1 Kings 4.20, it says that Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands by the sea. They were growing. They were multiplying. 1 Kings 4.24 says that because of the wise leadership of Solomon, that the kingdom had peace on every side all around him. As a matter of fact, as a result of the peace of Solomon, even the kingdoms around had peace. Solomon reigned over all of the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as to the border of Egypt. As a result of Solomon leading in peace, we discover that there was also a lot of wealth that was brought into Jerusalem. Second Chronicles 1.5 says that there was silver and gold, and it was as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as sycamores. You see that word shalom, it's an ancient word, as ancient as the land of Israel itself. It is peppered throughout the scriptures. And as I look at this word peace or shalom, it is kind of the building block of the Jewish language and of the Jewish history. Shalom is regularly used as a very familiar greeting, but it holds a meaning that was used by Jesus to describe his kingdom. And it speaks to the very hopes and the longing of the human heart. 
the word shalom appears over 200 times in the Bible. It is a strong indicator of its importance. It brings along with it the idea of rest. We have completed our work. Now we can rest. We can be at peace. But there's much more to this word and much more to this understanding. As we look at this matter of rest, we find it is a very popular expression. Though peace is more apt translated as shalom, it doesn't quite capture the nuance or the importance of the word. Shalom was used as both a greeting and a farewell, but it wasn't just meant to speak to a person who was going through a struggle. Rather, it was called to have a person experience the peace of the Lord. Throughout the Bible, one of the names of God is Yahweh Shalom. That is, the Lord is our peace. And Jesus himself is called in Isaiah 9-6, the Prince of Peace. So true shalom is only reached through God. Let me just read a couple of Bible verses that talk about shalom. And I'm going to read it from the Jerusalem Bible. And instead of using the word peace, we're going to substitute it with the Hebrew word shalom. Here's the first one, Isaiah 26-3. God will keep him in perfect shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the idea here is I receive the peace of God when I think about him, when my thoughts are on him, when my confidence is in him. And then Hebrews 13, 20 says, the God of shalom, who brought you from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, Our Lord Yeshua, by the blood of the eternal covenant. And here we see that the God of Shalom is called the the great shepherd who leads his sheep. One of the reasons we can be at peace is because the great shepherd is leading us. And this is made possible by our Lord Yeshua, by the blood that he spilt on Calvary for our sins. Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the shalom of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in shalom of it, you shall have shalom. So here, Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29, and, and by the way, we love Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Really a powerful verse, but it's in a really bad chapter. In Jeremiah 29, we are reminded that they are in captivity. They have lost the shalom of the city. They are in captivity. But Jeremiah wants to remind them of something. Although they are in Babylonian captivity, and the reason they find themselves in captivity is because they refuse to rest. They refuse to celebrate the seven-year rest that God commanded them to celebrate. They refused to celebrate the weekly day of rest on the Sabbath. And so they did this for 490 years. And finally, God says, if you don't want to enter into my rest, I am going to force you to rest. My rest will be in you, but you're going to be captive and you're going to belong to somebody else. And so when Jeremiah is talking about seeking the shalom of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive, he is talking about their time in Babylonian captivity. And he's reminding them that as long as he is with them, regardless of where they are, they are in shalom because their peace is in them. It doesn't have anything to do with where they reside. Isn't that great to know? 
that we can be in different places but experience that same peace. So Jeremiah wanted to remind us and remind his people that peace is possible because the Spirit of God lives within us. 1 Thessalonians 3.16, Paul is writing and he says, Now may the Lord of Shalom himself give you shalom always in all ways. The Lord be with you. Another reminder here that if the Lord is with me, no matter how bad my circumstances may appear to be, I have the peace because he is within me. The Lord is with me. So peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God. When God is dwelling within me, I have his presence. You say, well, how is it that I can lose my peace sometimes? Well, it all goes back to Ephesians 5, where it talks about the fact that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess. A man who is drunk is led by that alcohol. That alcohol takes control of that person. And have you ever noticed anybody that is drunk? Uh, Maybe you don't know this from personal experience. Maybe you do, but the alcohol takes over. And how does a person stay drunk? Well, he keeps on drinking. How does the believer stay filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he keeps yielding to the Holy Spirit. We keep surrendering to the Holy Spirit. We become intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. We allow the presence of the Spirit of God to take control of our lives. And Romans chapter 16, here's another great verse on shalom. Paul says, God is the source of shalom. And God one day is going to crush the adversary under your feet. The grace of our Lord Yeshua be with you. So the source of our peace is found in Christ himself. Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So when we are living a lifestyle that is wicked, we don't experience God's peace. We experience the turmoil of life. That is the turmoil of a wave crashing against us and taking us off our feet. So before we talk about eight Proverbs that illustrate how we can have peace in our lives, I want to explain to you how to have peace in three areas. Number one is how to have peace with God. Number two, how to have peace with others. And then number three, how to have peace with myself. Well, let's look at the first one, okay? Peace with God. How in the world am I going to have peace with God? Peace with God is only received through forgiveness. This is how Paul put it in Romans 5, verse number 1. He says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that little phrase, justified by faith, what does that mean? That means God has declared us forgiven. We are just as if we have never sinned because we have put our faith no longer in ourselves, but now we have peace with God because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how we are justified. The moment that we receive forgiveness from God is the moment that we are filled with shalom, God's peace, instead of God's wrath coming against us. It is God's peace that is for us. He is living within us. I don't know about you, but I'm a type A 
personality. I, I like to get things done. And, uh, you know, I was writing this sermon and uh, I, I said, I'm going to take a little break and we'll go out and cut my grass real quick. And, uh, you know, it's something about getting out there and cutting the grass. Maybe it's a man thing, right? You go out there and you and you cut the grass and and uh, and then you get it all done and you know you get the uh, the leaf blower out there and you blow all the grass clippings off uh, off the sidewalk and off the driveway and and you look back and say, man I got her done yeah, it looks pretty good right there's that satisfaction and so I used to think well that's the greatest feeling in the world I have accomplished a task but there's something even greater than that being forgiven. You know that feeling that you have when you have an offense against somebody and all of a sudden you receive that forgiveness. Uh, There's nothing better than that feeling of, I have been released from this offense. God no longer is declaring me guilty. He has recognized me as innocent, justified by faith. So maybe today you need to receive God's forgiveness. Maybe that's where you need to find some peace today. And you realize that, man, I have offended Almighty God. I need his forgiveness. Number two, how to have peace with others. Well, just as we receive forgiveness from God and we receive peace as we release offenses, then we receive peace. Romans 12, 17 and 18 says, Don't repay anyone for evil, evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Now, Paul is making a very important point. When we get offended by somebody, there's this tendency to want to repay that evil, evil for evil. You did me, I'm going to do you back, right? Paul says, don't do that. Consider what is right in the eyes of everyone. Uh, So what do you do? You release them of that offense. If it is possible on your part, you can live at peace with everyone. When we release them of that offense, then we can live at peace with everyone. And even if that person does not receive that release, you still get the peace. You've done everything possible on your part, and God gives you his peace. You know, there's some people that just don't want to be reconciled. There's some people that want to hang on to offenses, and they refuse to forgive. You know, my heart just goes out to them. I feel so bad for them because they're walking around in bitterness and resentment. They refuse to forgive. They have put up a wall, and their relationships begin to fall apart. Their lives become filled with brokenness, but they hang on to that offense. Let it go. Release that offense, and you will discover that you have peace with God. You see, when we don't have peace, it impacts our fellowship with others. If we hang on to an offense that God has already released, when we hang on to that offense, we don't have God's peace. That's why there's so many people that are so unsettled in their lives, because they refuse to release the offense. What are we talking about? Peace with God, received through forgiveness, peace with others, that's received by releasing offenses. And then number three, how can I find peace with myself? Well, there's a three-step process, and it's not that complicated. Number one, repent of evil. Number two, request that God gives you peace through prayer. And then replace that area of your life that is unpeaceful and replace it with gratitude. This is how Peter explains this. 1 Peter 3.11, you must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and they must pursue it. 
So to have peace with myself, I've got to repent of the evil that I have committed. Now, too many people, I think, look at this subject of repentance and say, well, I did that when I was saved. I came and I repented of my sins. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I understood the gospel. I I received the gospel, the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ. I turned from my sins and now I don't need to do that anymore. All my sins were covered past, present, and future. The reason repenting from evil, even for the believers, required is because we have this tendency to get off track. It's the fellowship that is broken, the peace that is broken. I guess you could say in a marriage situation, it's like this. You know, I love my wife, and we've been married for a long time. Sometimes, however, there's friction within our relationship. Sometimes we disagree, sometimes we don't get along, and sometimes it actually gets kind of heated in our debates with one another. So what happens? We're still married, but we must deal with what is causing the friction. What is causing the fellowship to be broken? There's only one way to do that. Repent. Honey, I'm sorry. I messed up. I I repent of that evil and the fellowship is restored. I can't pursue peace until I deal with what has caused the fellowship to be broken. So Peter says, you got to turn from that evil. You got to do good. Turning means I'm changing my mind. I'm repenting of the way I was thinking about something. I'm no longer hanging on to the wrong way of thinking on something. Now I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do good. And I'm going to seek peace and I'm going to pursue it. So that's step number one, repent of evil. Number two is you got to request through prayer for this peace to fill you. Now, Philippians chapter four is an amazing chapter. Let's look at verses six and seven. It says, do not be anxious. Okay, anxiety is the opposite of peace. When I'm filled with anxiety, I don't have the shalom of God taking control of my life and my situation. So Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there we have it right there. Request through prayer. Okay, I'm anxious. I have lost my peace. I'm told I'm not supposed to be anxious about anything, but I'm supposed to pray about everything. So I transitioned and I said, Lord, here I am. I repent of this evil of anxiety. And I ask you through prayer and my petition that you give me peace. Push out this anxiety of my life. Fill me with your peace. But then there's something else that has to happen. Now, don't forget this point. Paul tells us that we do it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I love that, don't you? Uh, One of my favorite holidays of the year is Thanksgiving. Thanks for giving. As we are praying for the Lord to take this anxiety from us, we are praying that he fills us with his peace. We are saying, Lord, I'm thanking you ahead of time for replacing this anxiety with your peace. And then Paul says that we're to present our request to God. All right, so when we do this, we repent of the evil, we request through prayer that we be filled with peace, we replace the anxiety with gratitude, we discover an amazing thing happens. We have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Now, that's a very important phrase right there. This is not talking about human peace. This is talking about a peace 
that is not of human origin. This is talking about the peace of God. The peace of God is something that is given to us even in the midst of our lives being filled with chaos. You see, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. Then Paul tells us that we've got to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, That gratitude being guarding our hearts, bringing that protection around our hearts as we put our minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, we take on the mind of Christ, we think like Christ as we go through this process of experiencing His peace. Now, tomorrow, I want you to join me, okay? We just got kind of into the introduction today about peace. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Proverbs of Peace. And what I'm going to do tomorrow, I've looked throughout the book of Proverbs, and I've looked at eight different areas where we can have peace. Peace is experienced in these eight areas. If I will do these eight things, I will experience God's peace. So please join me tomorrow, okay? As we look at these Proverbs of Peace. I appreciate you listening today. Now, if I can help you, uh, you can shoot me an email at pastorcorbett at gmail.com. Lowercase, it doesn't have to be uppercase. Pastor Corbett, C-O-R-B-I-T-T at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you tuning in. God bless you. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.